Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host and your only host today, Patrick Mayhorn. We've got another uh, solo show on the docket here. We said during the week that it was going to be like this. Um, Ryan was at a wedding and, and just didn't get the chance to watch a ton of college football. I have consumed <laughs> quite a bit of it, not just on Saturday, but in the last day or so. Um, and I'm going to try and talk about as much of it as I possibly can. As a uh, as a heads up at the top of this here, I am fresh off a uh, fresh off a publishing night. It's about 12:30 uh, a.m. here in Columbus, and I have been uh, I'm all off of that publishing day. I was in uh, in in Pennsylvania and also at the Ohio State Rutgers game on Saturday and Friday night and driving back Sunday morning. So I'm probably a little bit scattershot, a little bit tired. Uh, and on top of that, hopefully you can get a little bit of nice folly work here as I attempt to uh, make make a sound for, for emphasis. That was me cracking open a cider, folks. We're, we're going to get a little bit loose on this one. I'm going to have, it's a, uh, looks like a Blackberry Wild uh, Apple Blackberry Hard Cider. So we're certainly go- we're certainly going to look into that. We're also going to look into some results, so maybe a little bit looser of a show here. I think that it was a college football week that merits breaking down both large and in the smaller sort of game segments. On the large, I think it was kind of a disappointing week. I I don't know if I'm the first one to say that, but the big SEC games specifically were bad. They were disappointing. They weren't necessarily bad because it was poor play. It was just that Georgia and Alabama were significantly better than Arkansas and Ole Miss. That's always a risk when you go into a week like this with those serving as the big games, but a lot of the games outside of those also weren't especially good. Michigan, Wisconsin, we kind of knew wasn't going to be very good. Penn State, Indiana wasn't very good. A lot of the headliners really didn't impress me a ton. There were still fun games, and we'll talk about some fun games, but there were a lot of blowouts this week. A lot of games that sort of established teams more as contenders or pretenders essentially and that's valuable but for entertainment's sake it's not tremendously uh tremendously helpful first up thursday night as i take a sip here before we jump in thursday night virginia 30 miami 28 miami doing a field goal here at the end of this one in its attempt to take the uh, take the lead at the last second, this Miami team is just not very good. I think that that's what it comes down to here. Virginia still doesn't seem especially solid. The defense here is not super strong. When you allow 111 yards to Miami's leading rusher, that's not good. This is not a good Miami rushing attack. Uh, Miami was also without Derek King. Tyler Dan Van Dyke rather was at quarterback. He looked. Uh, like a backup quarterback on a not very good offense. Miami is, I think, in trouble. Moving forward and just probably in general this season, Miami is now 2-3 and three with wins barely over Appalachian State and then a blowout over Central Connecticut State. Left on the schedule, it still has a trip to North Carolina, who stinks, but Miami also stinks. Uh, NC State at home at suddenly kind of interesting pit on the road at Georgia Tech, at Florida State, home against Virginia Tech, and then at Duke. There are maybe two or three winnable games left on the schedule that a 5-7 and seven season probably is not going to save Mandy Diaz's, uh, I think, job here at Miami. I'm curious to see where the Hurricanes do go in this search, if they end up making that move. I, I think they probably should. Obviously, Lane Kiffin is going to be a name that a lot of people mention whether that's fair or not just he's going to come up with a lot of these southern jobs we've talked about this job a little bit I don't think Mario Cristobal would be would be open to it I don't think he'd be especially interested and if it's not him I don't know who you go for because I guess Billy Napier could get the call but I don't know how much happier you are with that if you're Miami than you would just be with with keeping Diaz and trying to run it back I mean it's another it's another young guy who Napier, at least to his credit, has been a head coach before, but I think Miami kind of wants a big splash play here, and I don't think that he is that, at least not in the way that Lane or Cristobal would be. I just don't know if Miami can get either of those guys because I I think LSU is also going to be on the market. Uh, Good win for Virginia, though. 
Virginia offense is still pretty capable, even if Miami's defense isn't necessarily a great uh, source for, for determining solid offense. But Brennan Armstrong is playing pretty well. I think that Virginia's offense is probably good enough to get it bowling. I just don't think it'll do a whole lot more than that. Virginia is 3-2, and two, so only needs three more wins. And Duke and Georgia Tech are both still on the schedule. So not impossible, but I, I think 5-7 and seven is probably more likely than anything else. Next up, Miami, or sorry, <laughs> Iowa 51, Maryland 14. I I I uh, thought that this was going to be pretty fun. I was hoping that Maryland's offense could challenge Iowa's defense in, in some significant way and keep from the turnovers, the consistent turnovers that Iowa has been the beneficiary of throughout the season. And there's Talia Tonga-Vailoa throwing five interceptions and his backup throwing another one. And I believe a fumble and a kickoff and... Uh, the end of Dante Dimas's season, it looked like, which is a bummer. This is just, uh, this was a blowout. This was an absolute blowout. This was never especially close. The first quarter looked pretty good, and then Iowa scores a touchdown, <laughs> gets that kickoff, goes the wrong way, uh, scores a touchdown, scores a touchdown, scores a field goal, just scores a touchdown, rather, scores a field goal, and then at the half, it's 34-7. to And if you're going to give up 31 points to Iowa in a quarter, you're probably not going to win very often. I don't know how much this tells us about Maryland beyond it wasn't ready for this kind of game, which is not new by any means. It's been like that for years. I don't know if it tells us a whole lot about Iowa, though. The, the Iowa offense still doesn't look terribly impressive. Spencer Petrus was better, 21-30 for 259 and three scores isn't bad. But I didn't come away overly impressed with the passing attack in general. I didn't come away overly impressed with the Iowa offense, which has been the case all season. The defense is really good at taking advantage of shaky offenses and at creating turnover opportunities. I don't know how viable that is a strategy moving forward to, you know, get what seven turnovers. That doesn't seem likely to to have long term. You can create turnover opportunities, but you can't create turnovers. That does require luck, and it seems like Iowa has a lot of it right now. But I suppose that some teams are really good at getting lucky. Some teams are really good at preparing for that sort of thing. You cannot, as I said, you cannot create turnovers, but Iowa's gotten really good at creating those opportunities and being in the right place at the right time. I have to imagine that this this defense is benefiting from more turnovers than just about any other team in the country. We should get to see what Iowa is fully capable of against Penn State next week, which I think will be fun, enlightening. I, I'm bummed out that it's at 4 p.m., which is a bad time to start a football game, but it's Fox, so what are you going to do? I think that that's going to tell us a lot about both teams. Hopefully, I'm curious to see if Penn State is the team that can hold on to the ball against Iowa, and, and if Sean Clifford is that guy at quarterback. I don't know if we've seen that from him before, but I suppose the beginning of this season certainly bodes better for him than you know it does for a whole lot of other quarterbacks who have faced this defense and will have to face this defense. A good win for Iowa. Iowa has not yet shown me anything that makes me think that it is deserving of a top four spot, which is where it's sitting right now. But it also keeps winning, and it keeps winning pretty convincingly, and so it's hard for me to uh, dunk too hard on the Hawkeyes for being 5-0 and and for forcing seven turnovers. That's, that's pretty good. Next up, uh, Pitt, 52, Georgia Tech, 21, I I don't know, man. I don't know. This is another one of those games. We had a couple of these on the last solo show I did where I don't know what to take from this. It seems valuable. It seems like we should take something from this. It seems like Kenny Pickett is playing really damn well this season, which is strange and, and new, and I don't know how to feel about it. Jeff Sims had kind of a tough showing with the two interceptions, but did still throw for 359 yards. I think Pitt's defense is kind of awful, just from, from what I have seen of it, but the offense is really good, which is, as I said, I don't know what to think about that. Specifically, the passing attack has looked really good. I like these receivers a lot. Kenny Pickett is is dealing. He just is. I don't know what his... Uh, I'll pull up his full stats for the season. He is... 121 of 168 for 1,731 yards. It's 72% completion percentage, 10.3 yards per attempt for 19 touchdowns to one interception. I mean, God, does he have to be one of the Heisman favorites right now through five weeks? I mean, he's not going to win it, but 
does he have to be up there just by virtue of he's a P5 quarterback with those stats? I, I think he has to be, especially as every week we seem to have a new guy tumble. I mean, Bryce Young is going to win it, but it seems like Kenny Pickett has to be on the board, I would say, and that's very strange and new. Tough loss for Georgia Tech after it seemed like it was building some momentum. I don't know really what went wrong here beyond Pitt just exploded on offense, but I think that the North Carolina win is still somewhat valuable for Georgia Tech, and it's got Duke and Virginia and Virginia Tech and Miami in the next four weeks, all of which I think are are winnable, as well as Boston College, which shouldn't be impossible, although it's certainly not not easy, and then it ends the season at Notre Dame with Georgia, which is not a great way to do it, but tough, uh, tough showing here for Georgia Tech. Good win for Pitt. Pitt looking competitive, looking viable in the ACC. It's got, I would say, an exclusively winnable schedule here from from here on out. It's four and one right now. I don't think it's a playoff team. I think it will lose at least one more time, probably to Clemson, maybe to Clemson. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe to North Carolina, maybe a weird one like it usually does, but this is not a good conference, and, and Pitt has a capable quarterback, and it's one of, what, three teams in the league that can say that right now? Pitt, maybe four. Pitt, Wake Forest, NC State, North Carolina, when healthy, Boston College has one. Beyond that, I, I don't think you could really say that. Virginia has one, but the rest of the team isn't good enough to merit it. I, I think that this is a... This is a team we have to start thinking about, and that's not <laughs> good. I don't like that, but good for uh, good for Narduzzi, I guess, for probably saving his job here in the process. Next up, Illinois 24, Charlotte 14. Disappointing result here. Charlotte, I think, was real close to turning this one, was down 17-14 in the third quarter, was just on the outskirts of scoring, and then I believe... I believe Chris Reynolds threw an interception. I'm trying to remember specifically the order of events. I think he threw an interception, forced a pass, or it was either that or uh, no, no, that was later on. He threw a pass into the end zone, was nearly intercepted on third down, and then on fourth down, Charlotte misses a field goal. Next play, Illinois, uh, Chase Brown houses it. Chase Brown had a really nice game at running back. This is the rushing attack that Brett Bielema is hoping to build. Granted, this Charlotte rushing defense is not good, but... This was still not a not a, not a good loss for Charlotte, and it's funny to say against a P5 opponent, but I think Charlotte should have won this game. It looked good enough to do so through two quarters and then just couldn't get it done in the second half. Chris Reynolds did still look pretty good, especially in the first half. Grant DeBose, Victor Tucker, I still like this offense quite a bit. It needs to find a more consistent rushing attack than Calvin Camp, who's just not getting it done right now. I don't know who that would be. There's not really a ton of guys beyond that. The offensive line's not doing a great job with it, but if your passing attack is going to be as good as Charlotte's has been so far this season, it should open up more for the rushing game, and I, I don't know why that has not yet clicked yet, but the Cuse is pretty open right now. I think UTSA is pretty obviously your favorite, but UAB was just dick-stomped by Liberty, which we're going to talk about. Marshall lost to MTSU. Somebody's got to be number two in that league, and I think Charlotte has as, as good a case as anybody. It just needs to find that rushing attack. Good win for Illinois. Much-needed win for Illinois. I don't think it's going to get a ton more this season. But more proof of concept of sorts for Bielema in that the rushing attack looked pretty strong. Uh, Illinois needs a quarterback in a bad way, in a bad, bad, bad way. And I think that will be probably goal number one this offseason. Next up, Tennessee 62, Missouri 24. The main takeaway I took from this, and I watched this game today on Sunday just to uh, try and bounce back and get a feel for what happened here because I, as you, as you might imagine, didn't watch this one live. The main thing that I came away from this game thinking, and I'm sure I'm not the first one to say this, is that Tennessee looked really fast. Just, like, not even in the in the speed of, like, how quickly they were getting to the line and calling new plays. Obviously, that's fast. It's Josh Heupel. It's always going to be fast. But the the team speed, the skill position players... You know, Tyon Evans obviously is the big one. Who he had a 92-yard rush that was really impressive. But you know, Valus Jones had a screen where he took it, and, and Cedric Tillman had a nice pot reception. And this this Tennessee offense looked fast. It looked really fast at the skill positions. And I haven't seen a Tennessee team that I would consider fast on offense in 
years. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a Tennessee team that I would think is fast on offense at the skill positions. And I think that that is something that Hypel can build around. I think that that is, like with Bielema, proof of concept of sort. He he wants to be the fastest team in the SEC. He wants to be the Ole Miss of the East. And I don't think that that's a bad idea necessarily. I just didn't think Hypel was the guy to do it. But Right now, you got to look at this. This is a good win, and I don't think this is a good Missouri team. In fact, I'm pretty sure this is a bad Missouri team, and Tennessee's got to beat a team with a pulse here at some point. South Carolina's not going to offer much of that. You get one of Ole Miss, Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia. You're not beating Alabama or Georgia, so one of Ole Miss and Kentucky, and I think you're feeling great. I think you're feeling fantastic about the season, especially because that gets you to a bowl game. I don't... No, if I would expect that right now. Ole Miss feels more likely than Kentucky because I don't think Kentucky is going to put up with this <laughs> from what I have seen of Kentucky, which we will talk about in a bit. But it's still a good win. This is a good win. I think that Tennessee is obviously not the worst team in the East. It is It is probably probably fourth, I would say, which is not bad. It's, it's an improvement. Missouri, meanwhile, really, uh, I, I've... I've touched on it already really bad. This is a bad team. Connor Bazelak is not getting a ton of help. Tyler Beatty is not good. This dude is not good. I'm sorry. The offensive line is struggling, but this kid is not creating anything in the rushing attack. I I, I don't know what we were seeing in this guy coming into the season. I think Kiki Jism is, is sort of in hell at receiver as well through no fault of his own, but this defense sucks. Steve Wilkes' defense is absolutely terrible, and I, it's... Uh, I, I'm getting I'm getting fired up talking about it because it's one of those things that, that really makes me mad in football. This guy got a job entirely because he had a job before, and <laughs> he's never actually done a good job. He's just always been there, and Missouri replaced one of the more innovative defensive coordinators in Ryan Walters with this fucking NFL cast-off. It's a, it's a lazy, stupid hire, and it's, it's biting them deservedly so. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz is not going to get fired for this. He he had a good first season, but he's got to get his shit together because this staff sucks. This staff is is doing a disservice to this Missouri team, and, and Tennessee really sort of stomped it into the dirt here. Minnesota 20, Purdue 13. I, I mean... <laughs> It's not good for Purdue. Passing attack was was not terrible. Aiden O'Connell threw for almost 400 yards. David Bell got pretty involved. Milton Wright got pretty involved. And this is the performance that we were expecting to see from Purdue 12 times this season. And here it is. Defense can't quite get enough to to lock up a win. Offense has nothing outside of the passing attack and, and can't really score when it needs to. Only had the one passing touchdown, which is disappointing. Did manage to uh, <laughs> did manage to get into scoring position a couple times. Had two field goals as well, but I'm looking right here at a 24 yard field goal at the end of the second quarter. Unless there were some extenuating circumstances, and I'll, I'll tell you, I didn't watch this game terribly closely. There's no reason if you're Purdue to be kicking a field goal there. You've got David Bell. What are we doing? <laughs> what are you doing kicking a field goal 24 yards out? Come on, it's this is. This is silly. This is a silly thing to do. The other one was from 36, rather, not 42, which is also too close to be kicking a field goal if you're Purdue. It seems like Jeff Brom has abandoned the uh, aggressiveness thing that was working kind of well for him early on in his tenure there. I don't know why that is. He he also needs a quarterback, and I think that's a bigger issue for him. But I would be surprised if these guys win again, maybe Northwestern. But beyond that... This is a bad team. It's a really bad team. I think that Jeff Brom and Purdue maybe need to be starting to look at uh, at at a separation of sorts, and whether it's mutual or not, I don't know. But I don't think that this is a relationship that is long for this world. On the other side, I guess good for Minnesota to get the win. It needed it after the loss to Bowling Green. This is not a very good Minnesota team either. I think it's probably going to lose all but the two games against Northwestern and Illinois that are left on its schedule, which gets it to five and seven. I just, maybe it beats Wisconsin. Maybe it beats Indiana. I don't think it could beat Maryland or Nebraska. It's certainly not going to beat Iowa. The rest of the schedule is friendly enough that even a bad Minnesota team could still get to bowl eligibility, but this offense stinks. This offense is really not good. I think Tanner Morgan is fully permanently busted the receivers are not good enough to cover it anymore 
this is just not good. It's not a uh, it's not a good squad right now. Texas thirty two, TCU twenty seven. Kind of a fun game to watch. Admittedly, I, uh, I I've watched this one on the replay as well. Really good rushing attack battle here. Running back battle rather. <laughs> rushing attacks really aren't all that good, save for the the top two backs. But it felt like kind of an old, almost Southwest Conference matchup where you've got Bijan Robinson for Texas on one side rushing for 200 yards and Zach, Evan, Zach Evans for TCU on the other side didn't have quite the production but was similarly efficient 7.5 yards per carry I had a lot of fun watching those guys and not a whole lot of fun watching anything else in this game Robinson is fantastic he is the best running I would say he's the best running back in America I was going to quantify or uh, qualify that but I don't think I need to he's he's the best running back in America Evans is not quite on that level. TCU doesn't give him the ball enough for him to be on that level, but he's also a, a complete game changer. He's a really hard guy to stop. He runs like he's mad at everybody on the defense that they're trying to tackle him. And that's about where my entertainment here ended. I don't know why we're all pretending that Max Duggan is a good quarterback. He's not. He just throws the ball really hard. Casey Thompson is learning. I think he's getting better, but he's not good yet either. TCU... Stinks also. TCU is not very good. I think that this defense specifically is just not like at the end of the game here. TCU desperately needed to get off the field, try and get the ball back. There were three minutes left or so, and I think it was back to back first and tens where Texas hands the ball off to Bajan Robinson, and he gets he gets hit like first contact three or four yards past the line of scrimmage, and then he gets a first down on the play. And it's not even that he broke loose; he just ran right through the guy, like the whole crowd. This TCU defense is just soft. It's really soft, and the offense is not anywhere near good enough to make up for it. This is even with a uh, a huge kickoff return to open the game that led to a very quick touchdown. This TCU team just doesn't have it. It doesn't have it in, in a lot of ways beyond quarterback not being especially good. There's no receivers here that really scare you in any way. Zach Evans is running behind an offensive line that isn't especially impressive. The defense is soft. I'm I'm tired of these guys. I don't think that there's a whole lot left here for TCU. I would honestly be surprised if there's a bowl game in the uh, in the cards this season unless it manages to play Kansas three times. Michigan, 38. Wisconsin, 17. Wisconsin got fatty whopped. Michigan is better Wisconsin. And that was what I said coming into the game. And, and here we are. Michigan is better Wisconsin. Cade McNamara is a better game manager. Then Graham Mertz, who is bad, he, I thought Cade played a pretty good game, all things considered. When he was asked to, he made the throws. Uh, I still would like to see a little bit more of J.J. McCarthy, who looks excellent every time I see him throw the football. Michigan's rushing attack was not especially efficient, but managed to get the job done for what it needed to get done. I think that it will do better against teams that don't have the linebackers that Wisconsin does. I also, I will say... I'm not fully buying into the idea that Wisconsin's defense is awesome. I think it kind of isn't after watching this, although Michigan, 18 of its points did come in the fourth quarter. But the defense is is only as good as, as its product and only as good as the sum of its parts. And the sum of Wisconsin's parts, even if it's not fair for the defense, are that the defense is on the field for 40 minutes. And so it's going to allow a lot more points than it probably should. And so at some point we maybe need to stop talking about how fearful the Wisconsin, you know, how, how, how much, how much fear the Wisconsin defense installs. Like, yeah, I guess in the first three quarters, and then it's still on the field in the fourth quarter and can't get off of it anymore. And so you can just run up the score on them. I, I don't have a ton of thoughts beyond that. I think Michigan did a good job here. I think that Michigan is worth considering as a good to potentially really good team. The offense is still lacking in, dimensions in in a way that I just don't think is going to change within the season but the defense is really good the defense is is full-on good I'm interested in the Nebraska game it's another good defense out there and a a better offense than what Wisconsin is working with on the road not an easy place to play night game should be a good test for Michigan not a great test but a good test and then kind of a tune-up game against Northwestern before it goes on the road to a Michigan State team that I still don't trust in any meaningful way and then Indiana at Penn State at Maryland and Ohio State to end the season. It's going to get interesting here real quick. I think we got two more weeks probably of, of undefeated Michigan, at least that I'm confident in. And then the last five games of the season, we will we will see. Because I think that pretty much anything could happen. 
short of, at least at this point, Michigan beating Ohio State, which I need to see to to predict. I, I've got to I've got to see it here before I'm confident in saying that I think it's going to happen, and that's just out of pure, I mean, principle at this point. I don't I don't want to. I don't want to go out and predict something that I have seen, I think, literally twice in my entire life. And I don't say that as somebody who, who covers Ohio State and is trying to be snarky here. Like, I, you, you guys know that I don't, I don't really care about what happens in that game beyond what I have to write about. And I've only seen it happen twice. And so I've got I've to gotta see it before I can predict it, essentially. Georgia 37, Arkansas 0. Let me take another sip of my beverage here. Whoo, man, this Georgia defense is, and I'm not saying anything new here, this Georgia defense is nasty. It is nasty in ways I don't know if I have ever seen a college defense be before. I, Arkansas had 87 passing yards and 75 rushing yards in this game. Georgia didn't even really need to score. <laughs> that's that's how bad it was. Georgia Georgia didn't even really need to score. Georgia Georgia scored 37 points. It could have scored the 21 that it scored in the first quarter and then called it a game. It did not need to play the rest of the game. Just it can just sit on leads and the rushing attack is good enough that it can do that. I still don't really like any one of these guys a ton. Zamir White, I get what people see in him. He's not for me. Kenny McIntosh, less so. Kendall Milton, less so. James Cook did look pretty good this week, like more so than he has in the past. Maybe he's starting to sell me as as the guy who I think I like on this Georgia offense. He's certainly faster than any of his counterparts. What that you know doesn't necessarily correlate with being good, but he is certainly fast. If this Georgia Offense has a more viable passing attack moving forward, which it probably should with JT Daniels. Maybe get, you know, Darnell Washington back long term, find a more consistent receiving threat than what it has right now. I think Georgia's your national champion because this defense is just so good. It's it is um it's maybe the best defense I've ever seen in college football. Like it's been five weeks. We've got to see more of it, but man, it is unbelievable what this group is doing right now. We should get to see another good test of it probably pretty soon, you would hope. I don't think Auburn is going to do much for it, but then Kentucky and Florida back-to-back. Dan Mullen will certainly have them ready for that. He just doesn't for any other game. Kentucky, I don't imagine, is going to pose a ton of a threat. And then it's Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston, Southern, and Georgia Tech to end the season. So Alabama will be the next one after that. But this defense is awesome. This defense is really good. I feel for Arkansas, who I don't have a ton to say about here other than yeah, that'll happen. You know, that's, I think that'll happen to a lot of teams this season. And it just happened to happen to Arkansas. I think Arkansas is still in a good spot as probably comfortably the second best team in the West, right? I mean, it's not, it's not A&M. It's certainly not Auburn. It's not LSU. It's not Ole Miss. It's not Mississippi State. I think it's got to be Arkansas. Arkansas, Chance to bounce back here on the road at Ole Miss in a game that I'm very interested in. I think that that's going to tell us a lot. I guess that'll tell us who number two in the West is. It's not going to matter. They're not going to be able to seriously challenge Alabama. Although, I don't want to say that it's not going to matter because it does matter. That's cool. That's a cool thing for for, either one of those programs to have the second best team in the West and probably a 9-3 or 10-2 season. That's awesome. Don't don't think that that doesn't matter. It it absolutely does. That's a... uh, a poor turn of phrase there. It just doesn't for the the sake of the SEC race. It's going to be Alabama and Georgia. Wake Forest 37, Louisville 34. Nothing on this game beyond Wake Forest is still the best team in the ACC, and it will continue to be the best team in the ACC until someone beats its ass. You you got to beat the king to be the king, and right now the king is Wake Forest, just as we all saw it coming. Next couple games should be wins, too, at Syracuse, at Army versus Duke, at North Carolina on the 6th should be interesting, and then it's NC State at home, at Clemson on the road, and Boston College on the road for a real tough last month of the season. But right now, it's looking pretty good if you're Wake Forest. It's looking a lot like 8-0 entering into November, probably a top-10 team at that point. Good for uh, good for Clawson, man. I'm I'm really happy for him. This is a uh, this is a season that he deserved. He has he has worked very hard for this. And shout out to Clawson. 
Coastal Carolina absolutely tears through UL Monroe. I have no thoughts on it beyond I hope Grayson McCall is healthy. It seems like he will be, but took a uh, took a kind of rough injury here, was in a boot on the sidelines, but from the sounds of it, Jamie Chadwell said that he will be okay. The only other note that I have here, Coastal Carolina is just shredding opponents. Just absolutely shredding opponents. The Buffalo game notwithstanding, outside of that, it is taking care of business in the way that you were supposed to as the best team in the league. It is doing so much more than Louisiana is or App State is. And, you know, maybe tougher opponents will change that. It does have App State on the 20th on the road, which is going to be a blast. But uh, you, this is a team that is doing what a contender is supposed to do. And uh, credit credit to them. NIU 27, Eastern Michigan 20. NIU has got something going out there. That defense is good. I don't have a ton beyond that. Just that defense is good. Tough loss for Eastern Michigan here. Probably should have won this one. But I I have some confidence in the Eagles moving forward with Ben Bryant at quarterback. I've been impressed by what I've seen from him. Cincinnati, this is one that is... Uh, Important to this show, I think. Important to me. Important to uh, to a lot of folks, I think, that listen to this show. This was a this was a big one. Cincinnati twenty four, Notre Dame thirteen. Cincinnati whooped that ass. I would be more braggadocious, but I'm very tired. Cincinnati whooped that ass. It moved Notre Dame around the field on both sides of the ball. It didn't really have a consistent rushing attack. I'm starting to have some questions about Jerome Ford. It didn't have great play calling in the second half, specifically when it started to feel like it had the game in hand. Luke Fickle kind of got Jim Trestle syndrome there, which he does every game. Like, this is not new. I knew he was going to do it here. It's still just frustrating to watch. But... Still, Cincinnati was better. Cincinnati won by 11 points. It did that. It didn't have much of a rushing attack. It it got kind of, it played kind of like, you know, Luke Fickle kind of coached like an asshole in the second half. And Cincinnati still won by 11 points on the road at a top 10 opponent. And, I mean, this uh, this is the proof of concept, right? And we've gotten it before. But this is the new proof of concept. This is the 2021 proof of concept. This is a damn good football team. It is not a complete football team yet. The offense is not to that point. Desmond Ritter, I thought, did a pretty good job in the air when he was asked to throw the ball. He had the sort of game-sealing touchdown and a really fun celebration afterwards. Alec Pierce is really good in the passing game. I, I like what I have seen from Leonard Taylor as well at tight end. There are not a ton of receivers beyond that that I like. And they've this often the passing attack specifically has to be more efficient beyond just the explosive plays to Pierce and to Leonard or uh, you know just just moving forward. There's got to be more efficiency here, but it's a really good defense. Notre Dame had no room to breathe. Even Michael Mayer was was being covered closely, which is a hard thing to do. But no one else beyond him had much of anything going on. None of the Notre Dame coordinator, Notre Dame quarterbacks really found much success here. Rushing attack was pitiful, which it has been all season. But this Cincinnati team is really damn good. It just is. This is a, I mean, it's a, it, it, it is a, it is almost a, an easy thing to say at this point. It is no longer a brave statement to go out there and say this. But Cincinnati's a playoff team. Cincinnati's absolutely a playoff team. And I don't want to talk playoff right now beyond that. But Cincinnati should be in the top four at the end of the season if it wins out. Absolutely. No questions about it. This is a playoff team. This is a playoff caliber team. This is a team that deserves the flowers. This is a team that Luke Fickle has done a fantastic job with. And just credit to him. I like watching these guys a lot. I, I really enjoyed this win, as I think a lot of people knew that I would. And I I uh, hope to see more. I think we're going to see quite a few more from Cincinnati this season. Nevada 41, Boise State 31. I have this one just to mention. Nevada is good. I think Nevada is a Mountain West contender, despite the sort of weird loss to Kansas State that was a little troubling. But outside of that, the offense has been really good. The offense has a win over Cal, which is nice. A little less nice now, admittedly, but... Carson Strong looks good in the passing game. Rushing attack isn't isn't doing a whole lot, but passing game looks good. Receivers look good. Nevada looked good here. Boise State, on the other hand, 
is out of the race <laughs> in the Mountain West. It's it's week five, and Boise State is no longer, I think, in contention for the Mountain West. Granted, this is only its first conference loss, and maybe it'll bounce back, but this team's just not very good, man. This is a 2-3 and three Boise State team that just isn't very good. The defense isn't good. The offense isn't really doing all that much beyond the passing game, which is less a result of the passing game being really good and more a result of it can't run the football in any way, which is strange given the talent that they have at running back. This offensive line is bad. It Hank, Hank Bachmeyer in this game, poor Hank Bachmeyer, nine carries for negative 70 yards. I mean, this is not a great Nevada defense. The, the defensive front's really good. Dom Peterson is really great on that defensive line at tackle, but that's not really something that should be happening to you if you're Boise State. This is a, a weaker Boise State team than usual and a better Nevada team than usual. Mountain West race is fun. Navy 34, UCF 30. Uh, nothing beyond this uh, Gus Malzahn pack is going up. I think that Gus Malzahn is maybe <laughs> not entirely to blame here given that he's without a starting quarterback, but play calling here, not good. Not good. I'd like to see a little bit more of Joey Gatewood beyond just the one touchdown run that he had. He carried the ball four times, threw it once. Maybe he was hurt. Let me know if he was. But if not, I mean, UCF blew a 13-point lead to a service academy in the fourth quarter. It's not a team that usually you want to do that against. And this is not a good Navy team, especially. Really bad loss here for UCF, which is now... Also, I will say, not in contention for the AAC, which we knew already, but I'm I'm comfortable now in saying it. I think that there's a decent chance it's going to lose to East Carolina next week. Texas Tech 23, West Virginia 20. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think West Virginia got a pretty serious letdown here after the Oklahoma game, which is not terribly surprising. The stats don't necessarily tell you a ton about what happened here. I think Jarrett Dagey's stats are not necessarily reflective of what he was doing because 25 of 33 for 318 and touchdowns, not bad at all. But the result is, result certainly is down 17, nothing at the half. West Virginia nearly comes back to, to win this one, but Texas Tech hits a late field goal. I guess good, good for Matt Wells for finding a way. His team's now four and one, very strange four and one, a four and one that I still don't believe in any meaningful way after it got doubled up by Texas, but it's a four and one. Nonetheless, it's got TCU next. I think it could win that game as well. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess you can't fire Matt Wells, which is maybe not the best thing in the world, but if he's winning games, he's winning games. Oregon 24, Stanford 31. Uh, it's a bad loss. It's a bad loss for Oregon. It's a loss that Probably shouldn't have happened, admittedly. I think that Oregon was jobbed a little bit here by the refs, but you've got to find a way to win games if you want to be a uh, a playoff contender. And Oregon certainly would like to be a playoff contender, and it's just not. Passing attack is not good enough for it. Anthony Brown is not good enough to do that. Rushing attack is still fine, but not spectacular. Defense is dealing with some injuries. Good win for Stanford going out there and getting it done. I do like Tanner McKee quite a bit more than I watch him. We kind of knew that this could be a possibility with Oregon. This is a, a frequent possibility with Oregon and in the Pac-12 in general. But this is a bad loss. It just is. It's a it's a loss that Oregon couldn't take when you're trying to, to be the best, when you're trying to be at the top of the sport. You can't have letdowns like this. And there was no other ranked games left on the schedule. And Oregon, you know, in, in Pac-12 fashion, was running into the end zone and threw the ball too early, I think. And... It doesn't help that the team just wasn't especially good to begin with, but passing game's got to be better than this. I I cannot imagine that Ty Thompson is not better than Anthony Brown. I just that's his name, right? Let me let me check on that to make sure that I'm not full of shit. Yeah, Ty Thompson. I can't imagine that he's not better than Anthony Brown. If he's healthy, if he's if he's available, just. What's the fucking matter at this point? I mean, <laughs> you got to show something. They're not going to put you in the playoff with Anthony Brown. I said I wasn't going to talk about the playoff, but give Ty Thompson a shot here. I would like to see Ty Thompson. Oklahoma 37, Kansas State 31, closer than the, or not as close as the score indicated. Oklahoma was up 37 24 with a minute and a half left before Kansas State kickoff return. Spencer Rattler 22 of 25 for 243, two touchdowns and an interception. Not an especially explosive Oklahoma offense, but an offense that I think better suits the talent that it has. Skylar Thompson was back for Kansas State. 
Kansas State didn't get it done here. Defense didn't really handle that new efficient attack very well. I don't know how feasible that is long-term for Oklahoma as a strategy. I would I would think that Spencer Rattler's probably going to make some, some mistakes that he can't afford to make. Curious to see what he does against Texas this week. Should be a fun game, hopefully. Hoping it'll be close. It usually is. Kind of expecting a shootout of sorts, but... Neither of these, I guess Texas's offense has shown that it can do that. Oklahoma certainly hasn't shown that this year. Maybe this will be a get-right game for that offense because the Texas defense is not very good. Ohio State, speaking of contenders, getting much-needed wins. 52, Rutgers 13. Good win for Ohio State. Defense is looking much better. C.J. Stroud looked improved as well in something much closer to the Dwayne Haskins, J.T. Barrett offense than the Justin Fields offense, which is Justin Fields offense is an aberration and needs to be treated as such because he is an aberration. Defense I need to see against Maryland, need to see against Penn State, Indiana, those teams, but looked good here, has looked good for two straight weeks. Uh, young players are are improving and contributing on the Ohio State defense. I still don't want to think of Ohio State as a serious contender right now just because of how shitty it looked in the first three weeks of the season, but Buckeyes do seem to be improving pretty quickly. Alabama 42, Ole Miss 21. I I wish I had Ryan on here to talk about this one. Uh, It happens, man. It happens. Ole Miss couldn't finish drives early in the game. It was moving the ball pretty well, honestly. I have no qualms with Lane Kiffin going for it on all those fourth downs. I think he knew that his team was going to be overmatched in this game, and you got to try and get your your wins where you can. They just didn't convert. They were reasonable fourth downs. It wasn't like they were going for it in fourth and 20 very often. Fourth and three, you should be able to get it, and they just weren't. And it stinks. It stinks that you couldn't pull it off, but this Alabama's team is really good. Defense looked good. I thought that the offense was really strong. The offense is interesting in that it has changed a little bit from what Alabama has been doing, sort of like Oklahoma. It's a lot more efficient now than it is explosive, which is interesting. I think that part of that is that beyond Jamison Williams, these receivers really aren't going to break huge plays, but Bryce Young coordinates that offense really well out of the quarterback spot. He's good at the efficient plays because he doesn't frequently take sacks. He doesn't lose a ton of yards he doesn't really result in big plays for the defense very often none of the guys on this team do I'm surprised that Brian Robinson carried the ball 36 times that's a lot for for an Alabama running back it's a lot for anybody but I don't don't really know where that came from I feel like Alabama should try to get some of its other running backs involved Brian Robinson's not especially impressive from what I have seen so that's that was a little bit weird to me but Everything else here made a lot of sense. Ole Miss was sort of just smothered, and Alabama is a team that is, you know, want to do that to you. NC State, 34. Louisiana Tech, 27. This Louisiana Tech team, I think, is pretty good. I think that this Louisiana Tech team is probably also a CUSA contender. Austin Kendall looks really good at quarterback. On the other side of things, NC State hangs on, gets a gets a win that it certainly likes to have would have been pretty bad not to have it I, I can't imagine that it would have liked to take this loss and it didn't and good for uh you know good for them you you, you gotta hold on you gotta win your your not great games and nc state managed to do that here still has to be considered an acc favorite at this point the mississippi state loss really does loom large because if not for that this would probably be a top 10 team right now i think with the clemson win at boston college is up next after a bye week then it's at miami louisville at florida state and then a a big time trip to wake forest in the middle of november everything's on the table here for for nc state including on the table and that's uh, that's that's an interesting place for it to be. That's not a place that NC State is usually in. Kentucky, speaking of teams in places that they aren't used to, Kentucky 20, Florida 13. I'm not going to talk about this game a ton. I didn't watch it super closely. I was really bored with it. But I just want to talk very briefly, and I'm not the first to do this. I will not be the last. But I want to say my piece about it. Uh, I want to talk very briefly about how impressive Mark Stoops is, how impressive this Kentucky program is. I don't know how many games it's going to win this year. Right now it's 5-0, and <laughs> which is really good for anybody. It's about as good, I would argue, as you could possibly be right now. And 
I think that there is, with this game in its back pocket, a damn good chance that Kentucky could be 11-1 and at the end of the season with a loss at Georgia. And there are Kentucky fans who could articulate this a whole lot better than I could, Who to whom this means a lot more than it does to me. I don't have any ties to the program. But to see the steps that this team, that this program has made under Stoops, to see it as a, a team right now where I'm looking at the schedule, I see legitimately 11-1 and as a possibility. I mean, I don't know if I see another loss here beyond the Georgia game. To, to be saying that about Kentucky, Kentucky, this is not... <laughs> This is not a program where you go eleven and one, and he went what ten and three in in twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen with a wide receiver at quarterback. This guy's fucking incredible. Mark Stoops is an incredible football coach, and the job that he has done at Kentucky is just fantastic. He he is spectacular. I don't think that he'd be able to replicate this in a ton of places. Like I don't think I'd be hiring him for Florida State or Miami or anything else. But man. This this guy has has done an incredible job at Kentucky. I think that he has done every bit as impressive a job at Kentucky as Matt Campbell has at Iowa State. And that's not to diminish what Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State. They've both done really good jobs. This is a hard place to win. And Mark Stoops, I mean, what a what a fucking job he has done. Seriously, it's to beat Florida twice in four years at Kentucky to to have on the table what Kentucky has. This season is incredible. It's a miracle what he has done there. The recruiting, the way that they have hit Ohio, the way that they develop offensive linemen, uh, just it's a hell of a program. It's really, really impressive, and it's cool to see a program jump up like that. Middle Tennessee State, 34, Marshall, 28. Marshall is now on the do-not-trust list, and it will not get off that list until it proves to me that it can win a game. Uh, against anybody, hell, against a good team, I was going to say, but against fucking anybody, because Middle Tennessee State is not a good team, and Marshall lost. Charles Huff is on notice. <laughs> I, I will say that right now. Charles Huff is on notice. I don't know what the fuck is going on out here. Middle Tennessee State was up 34-14. to 14. This Marshall team is way too talented to be doing this shit. It is certainly not going to contend in the QSA plan like this. It's a it's a disappointing performance for sure. It's a disappointing season for Marshall. Mississippi State twenty six, Texas A and M twenty two. Speaking of the, do not regard, do not look at, ignore, just don't pay any attention to list. Mississippi State twenty six, Texas A and M twenty two. Uh, Texas A and M is not any good, and I think that not having it starting quarterback is hurting a lot. Obviously, Haynes King would would help a lot. I don't think that he wins them the you know, probably not the Arkansas game, but probably does win them this game. But Mike Elko's defense did not look good here. It it was beaten pretty soundly by a very, very basic air raid attack. Uh, Mississippi State pretty much said as much after the game. This Texas A&M team in general is just disappointing. They just, our defense is not as good as we thought it would be. Offense is anemic. It's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It is a step back from a team that we thought was going to be really good. And it's kind of disappointing because I would have liked to see an interesting SEC West race for the first time in quite some time, I guess since 2019. But uh, we're not going to get it because this team stinks and Jimbo Fisher does not have the juice. Liberty, 36, UAB, 12. Talk about potential Miami coaching candidates. Liberty back on track with a win here. Don't have a ton of thoughts on this beyond... UAB, like the Service Academy teams, not well built to handle coming back from behind. It fell behind uh, 10-3, then 17-3, then 24-3 in the third quarter and had no answer for it. Passing attack didn't go especially well. I think Tyler Johnson is hurt, so I can't blame UAB a ton with its backup quarterback in the game. Rushing attack was inconsistent, which it has been all season. Malik Willis, to his credit, looked really good. He put on a show here. Rushed really well, passed really well, his best game of the season. Kind of what people were hoping to see from him. Good win for Liberty. Frustrating loss for UAB, but nothing is, uh, no no dreams are, are dashed by this for UAB. This is not a conference game and not a disaster, especially if Tyler Johnston will be back at some point this season. Oklahoma State 24, Baylor 14. 
I don't know, man. I'm not going to take anything from it. I have no thoughts on it. It it seems fine to me. I'm glad that they're letting these teams play. <laughs> That's it. I've got no clue. This could mean anything. It's it 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 really could. Is Oklahoma State good? I don't know. I'm not ready to form that kind of opinion. It's 5-0. and You know, that's, like I was saying with Kentucky, it's as good as you could do right now. I don't like Spencer Sanders. I don't like this offense in general. I think it's bad. Uh, I guess the defense is kind of good. I don't know if Oregon's offense is, or Baylor's offense is especially good, though. I've got no clue. I'm not going to take anything from this. I need to see more. Clemson 19, Boston College 13. Clemson is also on the do not trust list, on the do not regard list, do not pay attention to. This is not a playoff contender. This is not an ACC contender. This is not anything here. DJ Uyunglele is not good. He's just not a good player. I think that is severely hurting what Clemson wants to do on offense for obvious reasons. If it had a backup who didn't tear his Achilles in March, maybe it would be time to look elsewhere. Dennis Grossell for Boston College with a... eh, kind of performance here threw for 311 yards but he had two interceptions and a a really bad fumbled snap at the end of this game not entirely his fault but you just can't you can't do that there boston college still should have won despite that clemson's offense is fucking pathetic it just is this is a pathetic offense for the amount of talent that they have Boston College, frustrating loss here. Probably should have won, as I said. Would have been a big win for that program. I don't think this is the end of the line for Jeff Halfley by any means. I think that this is still going to be an 8 or 9 win team. But frustrating loss. you got to get these when you can, especially on the road. You're not going to get a ton of chances to beat Clemson on the road as Boston College. And couldn't take advantage. Michigan State, 48. Western Kentucky, 31. Michigan State did impress me here. I think that the offense looked really good. This is not a good Western Kentucky defense, but credit to Michigan State for moving the ball consistently and credit to the defense for holding Western Kentucky through the first three quarters to 16 points. That's not easy to do. This is good offense, and it was primarily the Michigan State backups, I believe, that surrendered a lot of those points to get it to 48-31. So good win here for Michigan State. I still need to see more. I need to see it against Michigan or Penn State or Ohio State and the good news is we're going to get to see all of that in the last you know five games of the season we also have Indiana and Rutgers Rutgers on the road first this week and then at Indiana by week and then it's Michigan so we'll learn a lot in short order here about Michigan State also in the Big Ten East Penn State 24 Indiana 0 <sighs> man man this is uh as I as I they take another sip here. It's very sad to see this happen to Indiana because I like Tom Allen. I like this program a lot. I think that I, I was pretty high on Indiana coming into the season. I think I had good reason to be high on Indiana coming into the season. I had high hopes for what the Hoosiers could be. Offense looked like it was going to be pretty fun. Defense was really good last year. Really explosive last year, not necessarily really good. And here we are, headed into week six. I don't have a ton of confidence in Indiana's ability to make a bowl game. And Michael Penix looks broken. He just does. He looks like somebody who has suffered one too many injuries and just can't trust his body anymore. And it sucks. It sucks that uh, that it, that he's, he's going to go out like this. I don't think that there's a way back for him, barring a miracle. It stinks. It just does, you know, and... and I guess credit to Penn State for going out there winning the game. I wasn't terribly impressed with anything that Penn State did here. Kayvon Lee looked pretty good at running back. But this sucks. This sucks to see this happen to Indiana. It is a it is a hard thing to win in that job consistently. It just is. It's it is a constant uphill battle and I think Indiana's got probably four more losses next up on the schedule here. Maybe it can beat Maryland. But Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan probably not terribly friendly. Maybe it can beat Rutgers, Minnesota, and Purdue to get to six. But uh, this stinks. I I was hoping that there would be a lot more here, and there's there's just not. And I don't think that it's necessarily anybody's fault. It's just, you know, the way that things fall sometimes, especially when you're a program that is trying to build. And maybe Indiana can take some solace in what is happening at Kentucky, that when things do align in the right way, you you can start to jump up. It's just that, you know those things actually have to align and sometimes they just don't 
Oregon State 27, Washington 24. Washington stinks, but Oregon State is now your Pac-12 North leader. And that rocks. We love that. Oregon State can't pass the ball even a little bit, but it runs the ball pretty well with halfback, as I click his name frantically here. Uh, hosted stats is not going to tell me the, <laughs> the name of the halfback. Baylor is his last name. We know that much. But Oregon State looks good. B.J. Baylor. Oregon State looks good. Oregon State's 4-1. Oregon State with a big-time win here. Another big program win for Jonathan Smith. It's Honestly, it's too bad that Oregon State opened the season with a loss to Purdue because 5-0 and Oregon State would be hilarious. I think there's... <laughs> good God, looking at this schedule, I think there's a decent chance that this team is 8-1 and one <laughs> heading into the Stanford game. Washington State, Utah, Cal, Colorado... I mean, it <laughs> doesn't seem impossible, right? I, I would actually say it's kind of likely. Uh, that rocks. And then it's, uh, of course, Arizona State and Oregon, so things are probably not going to end great here. But um, that rocks. I'm, I'm in on that. That's, that's a really good time. Auburn, 24, LSU, 19. Ed has got to go. I think it's time. I think it's time for Ed Orgeron. Auburn continues to win games despite being openly fraudulent i think that that will probably catch up to it at some point this lsu program is is stale it has gone bad it's time to go arizona state 42 ucla 23 i think arizona state's probably the actual pac-12 favorite beyond the you know hype about oregon state for the sake of it Uh, Jaden daniels looked really really good in this game 13 of 19 for 286 and two touchdowns does not necessarily reflect how good he looked I think he's the best quarterback in the league pretty easily. I think that Arizona State, if it can get out of its own way, which has not always been a given under Herm, but if it can get out of its own way, this is a very good football team. This is a good defense. This is a really good offense. This was the Arizona State that we wanted to see coming into the season, and it's it's got a pretty manageable slate ahead of it. Stanford is going to be tough. USC is going to be tough. Is going to be tough. Oregon State is going to be tough. That's it. Just do what you do. Just do what you got to do. And Arizona State is very, very easily looking at, a, at an eleven and one season and probably playoff contention. Just, just do what you got to do because I think BYU is going to be really good. That that loss is going to look better as the season goes on. Just has to do what it does. I need to see it. I don't believe it. I'm not going to predict it. I need to see it. But this could get interesting here. Jaden Daniels is really good. Arizona State just needs to stay out of his way. Last one, Hawaii 27, Fresno State 24. Jake Hayner has given his life for <laughs> for the Bulldogs. Frustrating loss here for Fresno State. Um, just not a not a great performance. Has been a couple not great performances, I believe, in a row since the UCLA game. Hayner has been nursing an injury, but uh, good win, I guess, for Hawaii. This team is not good, this Hawaii team, but you got to win your game. Somebody's got to win them. Hawaii took advantage here. Good for uh, good for it. I'm bummed out about this result as well. I think Fresno State will bounce back. Maybe should give Jake Hayner a little bit of rest, uh, perhaps. You've got Wyoming next, so you get a bye week at least, so that should help. Hopefully he's healthy, he's healthy by the time that game rolls around because not a ton of times for rest coming up here. Wyoming, Nevada, San Diego State, Boise State. I guess you could rest them against New Mexico and San Jose State, but that doesn't do you do you a ton of good. But sitting at four and two, I think Fresno State's still in a pretty good spot. Just a, a tough loss to take. Not out of Mountain West contention by any means, but still not one that you want to uh, want to suffer very often. That's them all. I've done them. That's the full Saturday slash weekend of games here from Flipping the Field. We will be back me and Ryan uh, in the week on Thursday morning with our preview show should have some more consistency on these post game shows moving forward. It's just I'll tell you when I'm driving back from from Pennsylvania from a uh, from a game. It's it's going to be hard to record these, and we just didn't have the chance to do it this weekend. So hope you enjoy the solo show. If you do, let me know. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn at Twitter. The show is at Field Flipping. Ryan is at B1G underscore Ryan. You can find my writing at the Outside Zone on Substack and also at Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Uh, and yeah, as I said, if you like these shows, please do let us know. We will 
we will take it into account and probably do more solo shows as bonus episodes moving forward or if ever needed we will know that this is continuously viable we did have a couple people reach out and say that they liked this so we appreciate that um i hope you did enjoy and uh for 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 ryan on ryan's behalf uh we will talk to you on thursday